0: Hi, this is Dick Clark, live in Times Square for the 18th annual New Year's Rockin' Eve. And as you can see, it's a little sunny, little rainy, but warm. And it hasn't dampened the enthusiasm of the people who've gathered here in Times Square. We're going to be here live. We'll be jumping back to California for a great party with your hosts, Kirk Cameron, Laurie Lachlan. And you'll be hearing from Michael Damien, Dion Exposé, Martika, Stephanie Mills, The Temptations, the biggest party of the year. Don't you dare go away as we count down live to the 1990s. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture.
1: I want my MTV. I want my MTV.
0: The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pump, and nuclear brain damage. And the love.
1: Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s.
0: Can you say stuck in the 80s?
1: Hey. hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the Eighties. It's your host, Steve Spears, with Tampa Bay.com, and today we take you back to New Year's Eve,
0: 1989. Merry New Year! Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year.
1: (laughs) With me as always, he's our own personal Baby New Year's. It's Sean Daly. I think Baby New Year needs a new diaper. Oh, God, thank you. Now we need a new (laughs) air freshener. Appreciate that.
2: Yes! We are going back. This is a high-concept show today. Right. You and I were sitting down. We were having some uh, pad thai pork. I think. We're like, we have a great idea for a show. We're going back in time, 20 years, to 1989, the last week. What does this song mean? My whole life, I don't know what this song
1: means. I mean, should old acquaintance be forgotten? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot them.
2: So how's that for high concept? It's a little high. (laughs) I'm a little high right now. Woo! So we're gonna talk about we're gonna
1: talk about the movies. Every time
2: 1989. As we're music. saying goodbye. So we're saying goodbye to the oddies. The odds. I hate
1: that. I really hate I that. I know
2: I can tell. Wow, you really snapped at me. We decided to go back because transitions, baby. You and I are all about transitions. Right. You know? Eighty nine, we were about to lose our beloved eighties. Now, do you think um, were we aware of the eighties, you think, when we were living them?
1: No. And um, I I th- I seem to recall being happy that they were over. You the, were happy? Yeah, I, I was happy. I remember being enthusiastic about a new decade. I remember um looking forward to getting rid of the symbols of the 80s. And like what? what were you, your oh, mustache? Like mater- your mustache. Yeah, the mustache was gone. Yeah, it was totally gone. gone by then. We'd
2: never see the stash again. It it makes a brief appearance <laughs>
1: in the late 90s. Really? Yeah.
2: 1998, <laughs> you bring it back. Yeah, and uh
1: no more mustaches, no more feathered hair, you know, no more t shirts saying choose life, you know.
2: <laughs> I wanted a break. Yeah. And uh Do you remember let's get right into it. Do you remember where you were uh New Year's Eve nineteen eighty nine?
1: Yeah. So um nineteen eighty nine I was my first year out of college. So I have a you job. You were out of college yeah. by then? Yeah. I graduated in May eighty nine.
2: Jesus, I had just gone in, baby. Yeah.
1: So here it is, it's I was ending. A
2: pup. <laughs> Corn pup.
1: <laughs> uh it's over, I've got a job, you know, I'm making money. Where, where were you working? To, in Tampa. I had uh, a uh,
2: uh, newspaper? Yeah, range. like at a
1: small business newspaper. Wow. And uh, so I had my own apartment by then, and no girlfriend in sight. I was still in, under the uh, malaise of a lasagna girl.
2: Yes, famous uh, episode number... <laughs> tank, whatever. Yeah,
1: her, her of the peach lingerie and JC JCPenney right. promise ring. I was still kind of reeling she, um, from that. What
2: was it? Gummy Gummy? What was it?
1: That's Nummy Nummy. Is that Nummy Nummy Girl? No, that's someone different. Different girl? That's the Genesis Girl.
2: I, you know, I'm know i going to leave it to our listeners to figure all that yeah, stuff out. Yeah, they know
1: it. <laughs> they'll, they'll know it. But uh, so Lasagna Girl was still wreaking havoc on me.
2: We should have a Stuck in the 80s glossary. Like, yeah. Like Lasagna Girl. It's a little slow Yeah, <laughs> a, And like Nummy Nummy Girl. I can't keep them all straight. Yeah. I can use that.
1: Yeah, no. She's the girl that broke up with me, and all she wanted back was... Um, her sex toy and a frozen lasagna that her mom had given us. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: here's New Year's the Eve, point: eighty nine New Year's Eve,
1: my ex girlfriend Jennifer is throwing a party, and uh, me and my friend Dave decide to go. And it's way the hell out at Madeira Beach, which is that's uh, like a good forty minute drive from Tampa, where I lived, to the Gulf Coast of Florida, north of Clearwater, Madeira Beach, south of Clearwater. Oh, damn it, and. Um, She's rented out like an elk's lodge Ooh, for this party, yeah. And so we're excited. We're like an elk, you know, because like, yeah, you want you want to
2: do it on the antlers.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, New Year's Eve parties vastly overrated. Right? Oh my god, the most
2: overrated thing in America. Exactly, Next to Sean Daly. So
1: so so that's the whole point here is that oh my god, here's a New Year's Eve party that's actually gonna rock because it's at an elk's lodge. Yeah. So we get there, we don't know a damn person, <gasps> except for said ex girlfriend. Yeah, and um. So it's me and Dave, and there's a keg of beer. It's like a frat party, only a very, very bad one.
2: And is, there, is it like a, a thin crowd? No, nah, it was like 30, 30 people maybe. Had you guys uh, had a little something beforehand? Yeah, now
1: it's probably stupid to do. Don't drink and drive, kids. <laughs> and um, so we're drinking, and we're bored out of our minds. We're like, this yeah. sucks. So we wander out back, and what do we find? But a graveyard of torn up. Uh, demolished police cars. From, cop cars?
2: Yeah. They're, they're all lined graveyard. up. Dude, that'd be a great band name, Cop Car Graveyard. Yeah. They're all lined up there. You can have there. that. Whoever's listening, they yeah. a band. Cop They're
1: car all graveyard. lined up in the back of this Elks Lodge. Like, dozens of them. And so we proceed to spend the next, like, two hours taking- You and th- Dave. Me and Dave. Nobody, No chicks. Nobody. So Jennifer kind of wandered out at one point to make sure we weren't, like-
2: Dead. Yeah. Or doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: And so we, we take we spend two hours taking photos of ourselves posing with wrecked cop cars, like pretending like we're peeing on them, dumping a beer oh, on them, geez. you know, just no, trying just let being me disrespectful to the law.
2: Of, let me offer a little bit of context too. Yeah. As you are urinating on <laughs> uh, cop cars, <laughs> the minutes are ticking away. They are from the decade that would define you. Yeah. If I may say that, yeah, you are defined by the '80s now. That's your shtick. Pretty That's much. your thing. Okay, <laughs> great. Now, as they're ticking away, is there great drama? No. In fact,
1: it's this whole this whole depression starts to creep in on us. That a decade is ending, whether or not we wanted to or not. You know, whether or not we feel attached to it at this point or
2: not doesn't matter. This you were decade ready to move is on. ending. We were ready to move on. The irony is, you were ready to move on. But if you go, if you could go back to 1989, like oh. say through a hot tub time machine, <laughs> and now that's just gibberish. <laughs> yeah, you would we would cherish. Maybe you wouldn't urinate on uh, on um, maybe law, I, enf- law enforcement vehicles. Maybe I would hug it. <laughs> you would hug it.
1: So so we it's 11:30. Tick tock tick tock tick tock. We can't stand to be there another minute.
2: Elk's Lodge dud fail. So Epic we fail.
1: so we hop back in my car, my uh, Toyota. FX Corolla
2: Ooh, that's a sweet ride <laughs>
1: it's not and we head back to Tampa and uh, people who are familiar with the geography here you have to cross over the Howard Franklin bridge sure, it's like right a by. seven mile long bridge I live right by it. as we cross it a deep fog descends oh, upon the bridge whoa, whoa, hold on. okay so we've got we've got like our four or five beer buzz going
2: what's on the radio
1: I'm expose probably oingo boingo probably we're still clinging on to the music right right
2: right and
1: um, we're just in the car not saying a word to each other, Dave's a quiet guy
2: 11.30, it's probably 11.35, 11.36 can't see a thing as we,
1: uh, the, the, the fog envelopes us and suddenly we we're just like you couldn't pry us out of the dark depression we were slipping into wow. suddenly we were just like this, this is it and this is how we're going to go out
2: this is how we're going to say goodbye to the 80s Yeah.
1: and so we make it back to my, my, uh, my little tiny one bedroom apartment the first lair ever and uh, it actually doesn't look a whole lot different than the way I have now. <laughs> it really doesn't. Just in time to open up two like wide mouth bottles of Mickey's Malt Liquor. Mickey's, Yeah, Mickey's Big Malt. That's All what right. we, we clink our bottles together as it turns midnight as we're watching. I'm pretty sure the weather channel. Oh, my God. As it counts down.
2: Boom, 1990.
1: Take, take a swig of the malt liquor and suddenly the 80s are gone.
2: Wow. I got chills, I got chills from that awful story. <laughs> it's not a good that story. That really depressing story. You know, I'm going I'm not a. You know, I'm not a, a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, but I'm gonna say that that fog didn't really exist except in your mind. Oh, I swear. <laughs> no, was it
1: was there. It was
2: almost like you went through that fog, and that was it. Like, the fog was, like, uh, bookends to you. I bet in uh, 1979 years, there was fog, too, wasn't there?
1: There could have been. It's Florida.
2: And then, boom, there you go. The 80s were perfect, and then it would never be the same.
1: No. Wow. So, That's cool.
2: it was one of many <laughs> lame-ass
1: New Year's no. Eves and in my boom. life. And
2: then, as soon as, like, 1201, you probably wanted to, like, crawl yourself back, crawl your way back into the womb of the <laughs> 80s, and you've been trying to ever since. Yeah. Jesus, I'm brilliant.
1: It's not that brilliant. It's sad though. I mean, I should I should have been sitting there. I should have been I should have been relishing everything that I'd gone through that decade. You know, I should have been listening to music all night. I should have been been watching movies. I should have been with somebody I wanted to be with. You know, I should I should have had a girlfriend. I should have been like making out with somebody at midnight. I should have crawled into like, you know, a sleeping bag on the floor with her, you know, at three in the morning after a long night of enjoying everything it was that I loved about this decade. But no, I drank a malt liquor and probably was passed out by twelve thirty. Wow. You know what I was
2: doing? What? Doing it with Natalie Diffenbaugh. Drink,
0: drink, drink. Two eyes are not right. I start when are shining on me. Drink, drink, drink.
2: No. <laughs> no, Natalie Diffenbaugh and I were in the death throes of our relationship. Um, and I think we were at a party. I think Rumpelman's, an entire bottle of Rumpelman's was involved. Mm, and, uh uh, I think we might have coupled maybe like six or seven times. I think I was pretty much passed out for five of those. First you coupled, then yeah. you blinked her. <laughs> so yeah, that was the end God of Natalie and I, pretty much.
1: See, but that's a good way much to go like out. Much like
2: the mustache, there might have been one or two later. Was there shaving involved? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? No, the mustache might have, uh... Are you wearing a wolf mask? <laughs> no. The, the mustache <laughs> might have showed up a little bit later. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But yeah, that was the end of Natalie and I. And Rumplemans. Oh. I never did Rumplemans again either. That's probably a good thing. Oh, man. That was bad. Are there liquors that you smell now? Yeah. Rumplemans. Um, tequila. So- Southern. Com- no, I can drink tequila. Really? Uh, tequila for you? Yeah. Uh, Southern Comfort. Ooh, I can't. Yeah. I that's can't bad. do that. I always barf when I drink SoCo. Um, I can drink tequila. I, I don't like Jaeger. But if someone buys me a shot, you can't say no. Yeah, you have to that put That would it be down. rude.
1: <laughs> that would be rude. So, so when this, so how do you celebrate your New Year's now? Do you, do you? Pull- well, I have
2: eighteen kids. Right. And up to and from so last we all show. go around the room. <laughs> we talk about what we're thankful for. No, these days I'm just I'm old man daily. You know, I'll have some Crown Royal. You know, I live in a neighborhood with like eight or nine different families, and we all hang out. Yeah. And so um, we all kind of the kids all play together, and the parents go and you know do whatever. So uh, it's nice. It's mellow. But you know what? I'm with you. Even when I was, like, 12 or 13, I had this awareness that New Year's Eve was uh, overblown and overrated. It's always sucked. Unless you're getting, like, a knobber from El McPherson (laughs) as the clock strikes 12. I mean, everything else. I mean, what are you going to do? No. How is it so different? Would you say it's the most overrated celebratory you know holiday I, in retrospect i should have gone to concerts i think a concert is a great way to spend a yeah. new year's eve yeah. have you
1: ever done that uh for 1999 i went and saw george carlin
2: oh really see i would love did he go through midnight did he no down? no he, <laughs> he he ended his show like at eleven
1: thirty and weaseled back to his hotel room and then we were kind of left to sort of go to some lame after party Really? Yeah. Uh, that would well, be great to have him on. I think stage. a
2: concert's a great way to do it. Going to a movie, I have nothing. Uh, there's nothing really? wrong with that. No, you don't don't, know. Maybe you don't want to see the movie at through, you know, midnight. But uh, I don't know. The whole party, getting dressed up, it's always, uh, you know, it's always no, a buzz. It's cut. never good. No, you know, what, you know the best thing to do.
1: What we should do for next year? A stuck in the '80s cruise over New Year's. Oh. Let's wipe out all this bad mojo in one. You know what? Vacation.
2: I love that. I'd love that. In fact, I'll say right now, if you do, if we do a stuck in the 80s get together like you did Vegas, I'll sign on for Vegas. Wow, baby. nice. Right That'd now.
1: That'd be great. That'd be great. And what we, you know what we should play the entire time? Today's playlist. Because today we actually have the top five songs from 1989.
2: Ooh, I bet each one is a gem. Each one of them sucks more yeah, than the next. you know what? It's as, awful. As, we, as you listen to these songs, yeah, it's so apparent now. Yeah. You know, with the gift of uh, retrospection, that none of these are '80s songs. Correct. I mean, even '89. You the, know, it's almost like '90.
1: I would say the '80s were over at '87.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good. Point. By '89, we were we were experiencing the full frontal. Number three on this list, because it's uh, it's Harry and metallic, Right. Is maybe.
1: Yeah, Uh, okay. uh, uh,
2: A refugee from the 80s. Yeah. While the others are, let's move on. It's 90s, baby. It's the shit 90s music. Yep. You ready for it? It's uh, these genres that didn't last. Grunge and the boy band (sighs) crash. You know? It wasn't
1: a good decade. No, it wasn't good at all. Let's start it off with number five. Janet Jackson, Miss You Much.
2: Now, do you think of Janet Jackson as an 80s? No, no. not at all. But she did start in the late yeah. 80s, but no. I kind of see her more of a, yeah, 90s was her reign. Well, she's
1: really fallen off the map, too. I mean, I mean, she had a short reign.
2: Yeah, we but hear... I don't think of Janet Jackson, Miss You Much, as an 80s song. No, it has a definite mid-90s feel to it. And this next person, another fema- female, uh you say that she snuck in the 80s. I don't remember as part of the 80s, but yep. let's, let's check it out. Number four.
1: Paula Abdul, straight up. Yeah, Paula Abdul was the 80s? Yeah, she came in like, I think... I think her first album came out in '88. Really?
2: Yeah. I thought she was '90s. Well, I mean, that's and when, I'll that's... give Paul Abdul credit because she kind of defines uh, the, this past decade too with American Idol. Yeah,
1: and you kind of can give credit to Paul Abdul too because I mean, she was. I mean, the last videos I remember seeing on MTV were hers. Because you know they were they were pretty decent. Yeah, well she I could mean, dance. She could dance. Before they were they were all, sexy. Uh, you know, it hopped was... up on goofballs. Yeah, but I mean, so I give her credit. You know,
2: she was a good dancer, very thin singer, but she you know had some good songwriters working for her, you know exactly. I mean, she sort of typifies exactly what you got from the '90s.
1: You know, thin oh, singers man. and who were with songwriters. I yeah, mean, typical '90s. Yeah. Uh, number three, though, I think... All right, well,
2: this is it. Now, this is the one on our list. This is the one song that I would say, all right, 80s song, because hair metal was right. so... Um, and I don't even like this song that much,
0: but...
1: Yeah. yeah. So in 1989, Billboard says this was the number three hit. Oh, I guess
0: every rose has its dawn. Just like every night has its dawn. Just like every sing
2: the second, second song every rose poison has there you go
1: yeah thorn. yeah that, that that
2: to me that's yeah right and it always surprises me that every rose has its thorn was uh, 89 I always think it's you know 85 yeah you know it belongs earlier but poison really and they poison kept going in part of the 90s too I
1: haven't, I've yet to see him in concert. I've had a million yeah. chances. I don't know why. Just... You know, there was some
2: good hair metal in the late 80s, 90s. Yeah, dude, you had Skid Row a... was hanging on. G&R, <sighs> uh, right? Guns N' Roses would last maybe two. a year or two more, and then they'd pretty much be kaput. Right. And then Axel would start futzing around with Chinese democracy, and all <laughs> hell would break
1: loose. <laughs> Speaking of all hell breaking loose, the number two song of 1989.
2: Bobby Brown. Yeah. It's funny about Bobby Brown because he was in New Edition. Yeah. And New Edition was inherently 80s, but I don't necessarily think of them as an 80s band. Do you? No. Again, I mean, they have a sound that doesn't really fall. Cool it now, Spearsy. I, I kind of
1: like New Edition. I didn't.
2: Mr. Telephone Spears. <laughs> There's something wrong with my line. I don't, it's just... Candy Spears. <laughs> you are my girl. Um,
1: they just sound They sound like... like a the jackson five plus ten years kind of like cyberized yeah yeah not not too good but i think the real shocker this is shocking this one no one's gonna see coming
2: this is shocking and how milk
1: toast it is would you agree this song the number one song according to billboard of 1989 tells us all we need to know about what we were listening to back that year are you ready Look Away by Chicago.
2: What the hell? How can even the Peter Cetera's? How could that song? How could that be the number 1 song? You know, I'm gonna defend Chicago. To? Chicago's a fine oh, yeah. soft rock band. Peter sure. Cetera some of that early, you know, um Oh this. It's busy. You know, but Look Away, this milk toast piece of crap, you know? Uh, really? You know, good riddance to the 80s, I say. <laughs> The eighties were definitely dead. The eighties I know would never let a song like Look Away by Chicago no. be number one.
1: Well keep in mind too that a lot of the bands that that we grew to love and who we identify with being the eighties had broken up by then. Like Duran Duran had their original lineup had been kaput, Asia kaput. VH Van Halen. Yeah, gone. I mean, there was nothing really that survived the eighties.
2: Except for us. <laughs> 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 mm back (laughs) yeah that's terrible that's a terrible list yeah but you know what's even worse don't even say it this is really really telling that it was 1989 yeah and things were you know we were about to leave this magical uh decade you know what the number one song on new year's eve 1989 when you were urinating on cop cars do you know what do you know what the number one song on the radio was tell me no i'm not gonna tell you i'm gonna play it for you
0: twice Cause it's another day for you and me in paradise Oh think twice Cause it's another day for you you and me
1: in
2: paradise Phil Collins Another Day in Paradise Cheer up everybody! Here come the 90s! Yeah, So Phil Collins, who we love on this show you know, this was the end of him Basically, he so to him, it was the end of, I mean, he would hit, he would chart, but no jacket required is where I'd like to keep Phil, yeah. you know? So even he wasn't ready to, to move into the nineties. We all took on this weird, uh, tone. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting really depressed now. Yeah, today.
1: it's weird. I mean, yeah. you look back on it. It's almost like it's hurting
2: just as much now. Yes. I feel the pain. I need somebody to lift my spirits though. Don't you? Well, who'd you have in mind? Who is the fairy godmother of the 80s? <gasps> Be Arthur! No, 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 no! Who is the patron saint of Stuck in the 80s? Duh, Martha Quinn. Dial that phone. Hey, Martha? Yeah? Hi, it's Sean Daly, the music critic at The Times. How are you?
3: Hey, Sean, how's it going? Oh,
2: I've missed you. Was it, about like three years ago we chatted, right?
3: What's it, God, is it really three years?
2: It's flying. And you remain, we've done about 200 shows now, Steve and I, and your show remains the the listener favorite. Oh, sure. I'm serious. (laughs) They love it because your voice, like we say, is ingrained in our DNA.
3: Oh, well, that's nice because I know that you guys have done some amazing interviews since then. Give me your top
2: five. Ooh, Uh, Martha Quinn, number one. Uh, Bri- a- Brian Johnson, ACDC, probably number two. Great. Um, Joe Elliott, maybe. Joe but- Elliott, Def Leppard was a good one. Um, what else we got? Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon was kind of fun. Yeah. He was good. Um, come on, we've done tons. We're going blank now. Uh, Deborah
1: Foreman from Valley Girl.
2: Oh,
3: awesome.
1: Yeah, that was like 30 minutes of her counseling me through a breakup. It was great. Laughter and Aww. tears.
2: I know. Because you weren't available, Martha.
3: I know you should have called me because I am so good in those situations. Uh, I am primo in those situations. Are you serious? Next time, you call me.
1: Don't worry. There'll be a next time.
3: I will (laughs) tell (laughs) you. Oh, come on. It's a new year. A new year, new possibilities. Oh,
2: wow. You're 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 always so upbeat. Well, all right. the, the, The theme of today's show is 1989. And my part is I'm elated. I'm elated that life is moving on, and yet Steve... Stephen Q. Spears is very sad that this is the end of the '80s this show, and so um, uh, we wanted to ask you about one thousand nine hundred and eighty nine well, what was going on with Martha Quinn in one thousand nine hundred
3: and eighty nine Okay, well, I am glad you asked this. I am so glad you asked this because when you first asked me, I wrote to Steve and I said, "Oh my God." I have to cancel. I cannot remember. I have no idea. My mind is a blank. It's a void. 1989. But thank God for the Internet, <laughs> Facebook, because I posted, oh, my God, what did I do New Year's Eve, 1989? And you know what? Someone knew.
1: Uh-oh. Who knew?
3: I, I got an answer. From a, Tamara, <laughs> a girl named Tamara who uh, saw my Facebook page. And she wrote in and said, She goes, Well, I was at a Fuzz Tones show in Los Angeles. Maybe you were there too. Now, the Fuzz Tones is the band that my husband was in. Oh. And I said, Oh my God, Fuzz Tones show, Los Angeles, with Ian Asbury of The Cult. He was playing with them. That's what I was doing. Thank you. So that's what I was doing. 1989, I was at a club called Scream in Los Angeles watching my husband in a band called The Fuzz Tones with Ian Astbury, uh, going in out of the 80s the same way I went in, which was rocking.
2: <laughs> now, was he <laughs> your husband at the time? Were you guys already married?
3: No, he was not my husband at the time. He, he was... Um, He was, we were still a courting, but don't worry, but don't worry, there were plenty of times when, you know, we broke up, got back together.
2: Steve's over it now. Don't, I can hear it in your voice. Don't worry (laughs) about Spears.
3: Okay. I'm a little worried. I'm glad that you picked that up. That's his whole shtick.
1: (laughs) Oh, I get it. He's happier. He's actually happier
3: (laughs) when he's miserable.
1: That's
3: not true. Is he the I'm um, sorry puppy guy? And that's how everybody goes, oh, look at the cute little I, puppy. Totally. And I'm the abrasive a-hole <laughs>
2: over here, you know?
3: Nobody it sounds likes like me. A, a dynamic.
2: Yeah, it works for us. It, it works for us. All right, now, so let's get back to 1989. I want to ask you, Martha. So were we aware, do you think we were aware in 1989 that we were losing this great, um, th- this decade, this, that this decade that we, we would become obsessed with? Like were we aware of the '80s when we were in the '80s?
3: No, I don't think so. I don't think the '80s became the '80s until later. I mean, but it was a pretty quick turnaround for the '80s. If you'll remember, in the '80s, we were kind of obsessed with the '50s. There was, you know, we were all into the fawns and Happy Days and uh, poodle skirts kind yeah. of thing, Straight pink cats. and black, Straight cats, yeah. Yeah. Straight pink cats. and black, exactly. But that was like thirty years later. But I don't know what it is because technology the world is moving so much faster the 80s became the 80s somewhere like in the mid 90s.
1: Wow, like that. that quick. Yeah.
3: I think it was pretty quick, I do. I think I mean, I was feeling classic MTV, which was looking back to the early days of MTV and like I don't know what, 90? You know, we were already reminiscing about the early days of MTV. Well, that's because- you know,
1: yeah, but that's because I mean, in the in the the late '80s or the early '90s, MTV ceased to become. Well, I mean, it became something completely different. I mean, we all yearned for the old days.
3: I want to make a T-shirt that says, "I want my MTV back." Oh.
2: Wow!
3: <laughs> hey, um, but let me tell you something about New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty-nine. Go for it. Okay, the most significant event, New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty-nine. What do you think it was?
1: New um, Year's Eve Night. Um...
3: You might think it was the Grateful Dead playing at the Oakland Coliseum, 50,000 people. That sounds like an impressive gig, right? Yeah. You might think <laughs> it was you two playing in Dublin, Ireland.
1: Wow. But we're wrong?
3: But you would be wrong. Okay. Who do you think had the most pivotal, culturally and politically pivotal event? In 1989, ushering out the era of the Cold War, which which defined the 80s.
2: Uh, what would this? it be
3: Naina? <laughs> Was it Okay, something with Berlin. Right, correct country, wrong artist. Hasselhoff. <laughs> yes. Yes, it yes. was Hasselhoff. Yes. David Hasselhoff turned in the most culturally significant (laughs) performance of the 80s, New Year's Eve, 1989, when he stood above the Berlin Wall and sang, looking for freedom, in his (laughs) Christmas tree-lit jacket.
2: That's right.
3: It cannot be topped. You can't top Hoff standing on top of freedom. You can't. You cannot top the hoff. Wow. Oh I don't God. care who That's you so are. That's
2: so good. That's so good. You did your research, didn't you? Yeah, we yes, did. None. I
3: did,
1: thank God. <laughs> yeah. tell, I had to. Tell us about, I mean, you used to host the MTV Rockin' New Year's Eve back in the early 80s, right?
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. It was all the DJs, you know, it was Pee Wee Herman, um, I guess Weird Al Yankovic did some, it was kind of a, we were kind of a roving band of gypsies, you know, just sort of like, oh, she's on stage, throw it to her. And then eventually MTV got much slicker and the stars got bigger and, you know, the VJs wound up covering, um, you know, who was going in and out of the bathroom. (laughs) But um, (laughs) there was a time there when it, it just was a crazy, fun period. I mean, I look at those videos or pictures. I don't actually think there's any videos of me sitting there with David Lee Roth at one of the New Year's Eves. And I know for a fact that I handmade my outfit. Like, we weren't doing, um, you know, we didn't have deals with uh, Patricia Fields or any anybody fancy. It was just us. Like, I was telling somebody the other day that I didn't get a manicure until i was in my mid 20s and then it occurred to me wow i did every day on mtv never once with a manicure wow jeez i mean that's kind of weird isn't it like now things are so much slicker and the machine is i mean everybody's paris hilton but we weren't back then we were uh we were all like jonies
2: yeah did you guys have makeup crew or anything back then or you do your Not until the
3: very, very end. We didn't. You know, you'd walk by J.J.'s room and he'd be in there putting on his makeup. <laughs> Al, we all put on our own makeup. Yeah. We had our own, you know, didn't have any stylists. Hence, every other day I was in my Pee Wee Herman T-shirt. Um. Well, that's. I always wanted
2: to ask you, too, about the early days of N- MTV. Was it debauched at all backstage? Were there drugs and shenanigans? Or, you know, were you guys pretty straight?
3: I think, if, I think in the very beginning, we were super, super duper telling the line. That I, I believe there were a couple where we were, you know, doing a little more, ah, oh, we'll have a sip of champagne, whatever. Right. I can tell you that one New Year's Eve, I don't remember if it was, it wasn't the first one for sure. It was early. It Maybe it was the second or third. It was the one where, at, oh, God, I know that we were talking to Keith Richards, Oh, wow. I was sitting there with Mark Goodman no Mark Goodman, and I think Ronnie Woods came down and he was talking to Mark Goodman, and then I turned and was talking to the one of the guys in Duran Duran, and then I kind of spaced out and just sort of kept talking and then when I got home, I became gripped with fear. I was going oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to be fired. I didn't stop talking. It was terrible. It was the most awful moment. They probably think I'm insane. Oh, my God, they're going to fire me. And I said to a friend of mine, I go, watch the tape and tell me how it was and tell me gently, be very nice about it. Tell me gently, do you think I'm going to get fired? (laughs) I mean, I, I don't know what happened. And it was totally fine. I didn't do one single thing wrong. It was totally fine, but I remember that as being one of the most anxiety-ridden moments of my life when I suddenly thought, "Oh my god, oh my god, I did something so bad on live TV."
2: And you were perfect.
3: It was fine, spotless, it was totally America's fine.
2: sweetheart, spotless. Nice <laughs> Nothing on was
3: wrong. <laughs> Nothing was wrong. So we were kind of, you know, we were very kind of goody goodies in a way, and that we were just. At least, especially me, Nina, and Alan. Yeah. We were like, as we called the we were called the junior VJs. And we were always like studying and doing our thing and showing up on time to work. And, Nina, and really? all that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah.
2: I had her figured differently. Yeah, so did I.
3: Now, what would you have figured? Well,
2: Tell- in my dirty <laughs> sexed-up fantasies, I had all sorts of things going on. No, I thought she was kind of a wild child. She's always a bit spacey, like maybe something else is going on there, you know?
3: No, she—it's she was very, very much a homebody. Nina Blackwood lives in Maine. Her and a wood-burning stove—that's the inner Nina Blackwood. Wow! No kidding. I know it's very interesting. You should talk to her. She's fascinating. Really. She has yeah. a great
2: voice. It'd be fun to talk to yeah, her. Yeah, it would be fun to talk to her.
3: You've got to talk to her. Hey, Martha, let me she ask. doesn't need. She doesn't need to Google stuff to be interesting. She just did. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> well, so let's
2: skip ahead. So 2009, how are you celebrating your uh, New Year's
3: Eve? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Usually we stay home. We we keep our fingers crossed that Dick Clark's going to eke out a couple more oh, words. No. Come on, Dick. I know. You can... Do it. You can do it. Um, you know, we kind of play it mellow. We live here on PCH. I'm always worried that Mel Gibson's going to drink too much. <laughs> He's going to be out there. So. Oh. You know, it's a dangerous place out here.
2: Oh, wow. That's nicer out there.
3: But um, hey, what about uh, Ivana Trump?
1: Oh, yeah. She just got herself in trouble down here in Florida. Oh,
2: Lord.
3: She was yelling at little kids on the airplane. What?
1: Yeah, in West Palm Beach, he was taken off a plane for yelling at the kid <laughs> for yelling at kids that are running up and down the aisle. Oh, Speaking of which, where were your kids, uh, Sean, this weekend? Because that uh, would explain they, they a lot.
2: Them. I'm going to sue the
1: Trumps. Ivana was just doing what we all want to do.
3: But I like it. It's like, yeah, kids' civil rights. <laughs> there was a, a baby on the plane. I actually went through West Palm Beach just what two days ago, and there was a baby on the plane that was screaming, crying, and I wanted to go up to the mom and I wanted to say, "Don't worry." you know, don't worry, it's worse for you. I know you're, you're, so, you're the most worried person on this plane. That's the <laughs> worst feeling, having your kid just lose it on the plane. And you know everyone else hates you.
2: Hates us, yeah, I know. I had a, uh, my, when Ava was uh, about like four, year old, uh, four years old, she sang uh, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star for two consecutive hours. Oh, my God. I was Baltimore to Tampa Bay. And the woman across from me is like, with this really kind of rictus grin, she's like, wow, she really likes that song, <laughs> doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. I know it is. It's all you. And you're thinking, oh, these people want to kill me. But, you yeah. know, life's too short. Who cares? yeah you know? So, Steve, you're married with kids. Ki- I mean, Sean, you're married with kids? Yes, I have two daughters, six and two. And, uh, and I'm not necessarily and- married, though. I've been with the same woman... Off and on for about 17 years. I'm totally screwed up. But we've been engaged for like six years, so it's almost married.
3: Uh-huh. What's that all about? <laughs> what?
2: Spears has been divorced twice. He's a disaster over here. I'm the normal one?
3: Yeah. Does your wife feel like she's almost married? I
2: call her the forever fiance, Martha Quinn.
3: The and is fiance. she okay
2: with that? uh she's great she's hilarious (laughs) she's put up with my annoying ass for a long time uh so yeah i know this isn't about me
3: (laughs) wow so you two are really um freaking the uh relationship world here
2: (laughs) something like that Oh man i'm the grounded man i'm the family man
3: if you're the grounded one, wow. No, hey, that's awesome. You got you to... Gotta, I, I just hate to hear the dad of two kids say off again, on again. No,
2: no, no, no. I shouldn't. You know, I'm trying to be cavalier and all cool because we're on a, this iTunes show and stuff. But no, things are good. I promise you. I'm a Not great... Nice plug, I love...
3: by the way. Very nice plug.
2: Oh, there you go. I, I like being a dad, and we have a nice house here in Tampa Bay, and... Uh, Life is very, very good. I just have bizarre issues when it comes to matrimony. Very, very odd. I'm a strange man. But everything else, Spears, come on, say something. <laughs> Bail me out of uh, here. No, I'm sorry. Oh,
3: come Martha on. If Qu- Martha it. Quinn
2: wants to give you shit, I am not going <laughs> to stop her. <laughs> uh,
3: hey, you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I always love talking I love to Martha you.
2: Quinn. You know, Martha, we'll probably be calling you uh, sometime this year so you can help Steve out of a jam, <laughs> out of his, his poor heart. Well,
3: wow, he's been divorced twice. twice.
1: Yeah,
2: He's got at least three more in him,
1: yeah. I think. I'm not giving up, Martha.
2: Aww.
1: Well,
3: Mark Goodman has been married three times in his third wedding. I was like, Mark, <laughs> I hope you kept those Waterford Crystal Goblets from the last <laughs> one, because those are the last ones I'm getting.
2: <laughs> that's good. You're going to
1: get an invite to the next one, Martha.
2: Oh, that's nice.
3: Okay, cool. Excellent. Well, I'll be sure not to bring my kids because I'll be afraid that Ivana Trump will be uh, on the plane.
2: Good idea. Hey, we love you, Martha Quinn. You're the best.
3: Thank you, guys. And don't forget, we're all stuck in the 80s.
1: Beautiful. We love you. I don't care what happens in 2010, 2009 will always be remembered as... The Martha Quinn podcast year.
2: Oh, that's nice. We love her. We love Martha here. She beat you up pretty good, though. You know what? I don't care. It was good for me. Martha Quinn knows what's good for me, <laughs> and I feel refreshed now.
1: Yeah. She's, she's really amazing. She's so giving. That you know, voice. Oh,
2: You know, I have a little uh, surprise for you, what's besides that? Martha Quinn. We have some letters from our listeners about what they were doing Excellent on uh, New Year's 1989 and unfortunately they're great letters but these people could use a pep talk from Martha Quinn too uh, so we'll try to set them up. but we have three would you like to hear them? Go for it Alright The first one is from uh, Brad in LA Now let's be honest is Brad where does he rank on your favorite listeners of all time? He, he's in the top two right He next might be to, my uh, number one No right offense next to, to Carl Tor Hansen, from,
1: uh, Tor Hansen <laughs> or the guy from Finland <laughs> What did you say?
2: How dare you bring up Finland? <laughs> All right, this is Brad's letter. 1989, worst New Year's ever. That's not a good start, is it? No. I was still reeling from a f- brutal breakup with my longtime college girlfriend when New Year's Eve rolled around that year. I was supposed to go to a party with a friend from work. But around 7 p.m., he called me up and said, Yeah, dude, we're not going to be able to make that party. (sighs) Oh, man. I feel you. I feel it. Having no other plans and knowing that all my other friends were coupled up and off having fun already, I decided that the most pathetic thing I could do was stay home alone. So I went to that party. I knew nobody there. And being the socially adept engineer that I am, I had a hard time connecting with anybody in that crowded apartment. I think I had a few beers and smoked a cigar that was offered me by the host before ducking out around 1130 to drive home. I decided I'd rather count down the seconds to a new decade alone in my car Mm. rather than be alone in a room full of people. Listen to that. than be alone in a room full of people. Brad's got some pain. (laughs) He does. Are you tearing up in there? I will come in there and slap your head. (laughs) Oh, God, here we go. I remember popping in a cassette and listening to Killing Joke's classic track, 80s, on the way back to my apartment. And I remember the fog being very thick that night. And that was the way the decade ended, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Wow. All right. Now, we have to be absolutely honest with everybody. We were being 100% serious about Steve's fog that night, and Brad also encountered fog. Something
1: happened that night, my friend. There was was a split in the space-time continuum. There was. And things haven't been the same since. God,
2: I wish I hadn't been passed out with Natalie Diffenbaugh. Oh, I wish I'd
1: been passed out with Natalie Diffenbaugh.
2: I bet uh, the house was, uh, you know, surrounded by uh, fog. It probably was. And shrouded. All right, that was hard. (sighs) That was brutal. That was a great letter from the great Brad Williams in L.A. We love Brad. The next one's from Lee Matthews. This is what Lee has to say. I don't know if any of you were in the Tampa Bay area in 1989 would remember this, but the New Year's Eve party I attended was still filled with talk and the hopeful return of the snow-like substance that fell on or before Christmas only days earlier. Is true. that true? Yeah. That was the last time we had any snow-like
1: substance because it didn't, didn't really cover the ground. It kind of like we had flurries. Really? But by the time it hit the
2: ground, it would just dissipate. I'll tell you what, it's cold as hell in Florida right now, isn't it? It's like... F- fifty something. You're wearing an undershirt. It's a black not- one. <laughs> you look like Billy Mays today. It's a blue shirt and the black. Try to sell me something. No. <laughs> I'm trying to sell
1: you on finishing the podcast. All
2: right. Having been raised on Pasigrill in South Pinellas County, Florida, snow is only a distant childhood memory from real to real videos of Woodbridge, New Jersey. So when the sky opened and ice fell around Christmas, everyone went outside. Adults acted like kids sticking their tongues out trying to catch the icy stuff. Kids took the wheel off their skateboards and rode them down inclined driveways, like sleds. That's kind of a neat detail. Having been a beach kid, a boogie board down the driveway was clearly the best idea to me. Alas, snow didn't return that night on New Year's, and the balance of the party was spent wondering just what the 90s would bring. We all took turns checking out the latest Nintendo games the kids got and were wowed by the multiple-disc-rotating CD player the host received. When I look back, I laugh. Like the family scene in Scrooged, it probably looked like a beer commercial. Thanks, Lee Matthews. Wow. It's not that sad. No. I've read it more sad than it actually was. (laughs) I know. But, but yeah, there is a certain uh, moroseness to Lee's letter. Our last letter... It's a very special one, Steve. It's from a member of our stuck-in-the-80s family. (laughs) A young man by the name of Chase Squires. Ah, Chase. Ah, we remember him well. This is what Chase has to say. New Year's Eve 1989 goes down as the night I spent with the woman I thought would be my wife. Except it didn't turn out that way. And it was for the best. I had been dating, long distance, a young lady from Louisiana. For Christmas week, she flew to Miami, and we went to the Keys. My folks had a place in Marathon, and we spent a couple days there. Then we went down to Key West, then came back. New Year's Eve, we went to a bar called the Hurricane in Marathon. I remember it wasn't very crowded or festive. One song I remember was Prince's 1999, over and over and over again. My date drank too much and got sick at the house. And the following May, she broke off our engagement... And I haven't heard from her since. Supposedly, her car drove into a bank of fog. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, It broke my heart at the time, Chase says. But I started dating my current wife about a year later. We celebrated New Year's Eve 1999 together in Ybor City. And we'll be celebrating 2009 New Year's Eve here in Denver. I love all of you. Especially Spearsy, Chase Squires. Wow. There you go. So his was a little sad. It wasn't the best. Didn't have a very good uh, uh, New Year's 1989. But there's a happy ending. Yeah, he finds Sarah Lee. Yeah. That was nice. Okay. Those are our letters from 1989. It was a rough year. You notice that no one but you urinated on uh, cop, <laughs> cop cars. cars. I now. have photos of that, by the way. Uh, I don't want
1: if to I see those. If I can find them. Well, I, didn't, I, don't, I won't publish those. But if I can find them, I'll put them on the blog of me pouring a beer on a Madeira Beach cop car. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm curious. We Earlier we talked about the top five songs of 1989. Do you have a list of the top movies of 1989?
1: I do. And um, just like with the songs, these are not going to feel like 80s movies. Are you ready? Yeah. Number five, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
2: Yeah, that doesn't feel... My kids watch that now. No, There's it's, a, a park at Disney timeless. Hollywood
1: Studios. It's timeless.
2: <laughs> have you ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the
1: Kids? Uh, no. I've yeah. seen like parts of it. I don't know. Rick Moranis is in it. He's funny He's great.
2: Yeah, doesn't feel like an '80s movie. No, though.
1: no. Um, number four, Back to the Future Part Two. Part Two, which See, was the worst of the three.
2: Really, is the Western one Part Three good? It's better than two. Really, they're all except for the first one. They're two all kind of like crap. Two's bad. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to make it through. Do you have all three of them? Yep. Do you have that box set? Yep. See, I wouldn't need two and three, but I love the first one. Now, the first one, it's so funny how Back to the Future Part 2 doesn't feel like an 80s movie, and yet Back to the Future does.
1: It feels like an 80s movie a little bit, but it feels kind of like a schlocky 80s movie. I mean, even Michael J. Fox doesn't quite seem himself. Uh, Number three on the list, Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah, that feels like that. that. That's that's a franchise that kind of... I love Lethal Weapon 2. That was a good one. That's not the one with Joe Pesci in it, is it?
2: Yeah, Pesci shows up, but he's yeah. funny in that one. Yeah, he's good in that
1: one. Yeah, that that's okay. I'll give you that. If we ever do a podcast on buddy movies of the eighties, I would think *Lethal Weapon*. That's one of the my list. favorite sequels. Really? Yeah. Better than *Wrath of Khan*. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, give us a little Khan. Kirk is still alive, my old friend. I love it. I get tingly when you <laughs> do
1: that. Oh man!
2: All right, number two. What was it?
1: *Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade*.
2: Hmm. I got great say- movie.
1: Yeah.
2: 80s movie? Yeah, why not?
1: Sean Connery?
2: Yeah, great movie, but I don't know if it feels like it's the 80s. I
1: almost like it better than the first one.
2: <gasps> How, why do you keep doing that to Raiders? I don't understand. Raiders is like a, a masterpiece. So you like the first one? Oh my God, It's Raiders of the Lost Star, dude. You chose poorly.
1: No, it's no, the third one's so much better. What was the number one movie? You're going to love this You'd big crybaby. Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Batman. Batman. I was, um, as I told you many times, I was a um, usher at the movies when Batman came out. And I had to deal with the guy. I've told the story. It's so episode jar- number... Yeah. But I had to serve like the Riddler popcorn and stuff. It was was <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Batman. So Batman, Indy, Lethal Weapon 2. God, look. It was like... but well, the sequels started to come out, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Dang.
1: It's kind of funny now because here we are in t- 2009 and all these remakes and sequels are coming out again. You know, I mean, it's, it's funny how decades, in a way, have the same cycle. I mean, they always seemingly end with really bad music and bad movies. And then they sort of get like a rebirth at the beginning. You, you sort of Maybe a lot of times you'll see a new musical movement, and, and suddenly a whole new group of stars comes through. I mean, I think it's happened pretty consistently over the last four or five decades. So, I mean, I can only hope that something erases this turd of a decade that we just got through.
2: Wow. Not Very a fun strong decade. Strong statement for you right there. Not a fun decade. No. Hey, what was the Oscar winner that year?
1: Uh, psh, another movie that doesn't feel like an 80s movie. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy yeah. would be the picture of the year. So. The
2: actor, uh, best actor, was Daniel Day-Lewis from My Left Foot. Yep. Jessica Tandy won it for uh, her role in Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, Denzel Washington won Supporting Actor for In Glory. That was a great movie. I've never seen it.
1: What? Yeah, never. Matthew Broderick is not great in it. Yeah. But um, he has a mustache. <laughs>
2: Uh, best supporting actress was Brenda Fricker in my left foot yeah. and best director was Oliver Stone for born on the 4th of July. I didn't,
1: I still don't really like that movie very much. No, it's just a little too, up. I'm looking forward to the wall street sequel though. That come out this year. Yeah. Should be we'll good. I guess.
2: Um, what was some of the top TV news, Steve? Do you remember Arsenio hall show? I do indeed.
1: That got kicked off in the, uh, in 1989. He had really long fingers at Arsenio hall. Why would
2: you remember that kind of detail? That's just creepy. I, I remember thinking like he probably had a big wiener too. <laughs> he was great. with <laughs> Not Eddie hoping Murphy. or not envisioning I, it, but thinking like those those giant fingers got to like there's got to be a connection.
1: I liked I always liked him with Eddie Murphy and Coming to America. Great, yeah. Yeah. Um, Coach, remember that with Greg? What Craig year was T Coming Nelson? to
2: America, Brainiac? Eighty
1: seven, I think. Was it oh, okay. or eighty eight? Coach with the great Craig T. Nelson came out in uh, yeah,
2: eighty seven. That, that
1: wasn't an 80s show. Uh, yes, it was. Cops. That show that's still on today Wow, started in 1989 on Fox. Um, do you remember Tales from the Crypt on HBO? Loved it. 1989 is Loved when it started. Tales from the Crypt. So. And a little show that would become known as The Simpsons.
2: Wow. That might be the greatest thing 1989 gave us. Yeah, it might be Simpsons. the only good thing that 1989 ever gave us. But and don't. Saved
1: by the Bell. Yeah, but
2: come on. Yeah, no, that's like our friend Stephanie Hayes is always saying we have to have a Saved by the Bell show. And I say, no not happening
1: no it's, it's 90s it does, there's nothing about it that feels 80s
2: yeah it doesn't feel like that's part of my my rich heritage <laughs> my rich heritage <laughs> you know I, I kind of have a weird feeling what's that it kind of feels like the clock's about to strike midnight I kind of feel like we're, we're working down to something It's you almost, feel that
1: too yeah you know I can almost hear Dick Clark in the background I can almost feel the fog rolling in yeah
0: They know when it hits the bottom, it'll be 1990. Goodbye to the 80s in 30 seconds from now. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. 30 seconds till the end of the 80s? Spearsy. I don't know if I can do this again.
0: And they'll be celebrating in Times Square. We'll be celebrating at the Coconut Grove in California. And in just 15 seconds from now, it'll be 1990.
2: (sighs) I guess I'll see you on the other side, Spearsy. Oh, hell no. We're staying right here, stuck in the 80s. Four and
0: five, four, three, two, one. Happy New